Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 11. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. I'm telling you, I left my hands with huge some days and they just appeared I didn't even know how they got there I'd see the nun over there and I'm doing writing my letters and I'm holding the pen anywhere I want because I, I, I think I got this and all of a sudden she just appears like out of the floor like And so you really, and people from Catholic school, and you know, you guys know this is true. If you went to Catholic school, you have good penmanship. Now, please listen. Having a Catholic background, having went to Catholic school, having went to Catholic high school, by no means am I a Catholic basher. And I'm not a protesting Protestant, but listen, I believe the Catholic Church, that they are wrong and unbiblical about their veneration of Mary. I believe it's wrong and I believe it's unbiblical. And I honestly believe that Mary would say that it's wrong and unbiblical. Now here are a few things that the Catholic Church believes. The Catholic Church, if you're taking notes, the Catholic Church sees Mary as a co-mediator. Remember the Bible says we have one mediator between God and man, the man who? The Catholic Church sees Mary as a co-mediator or co-redemptress, or that she helped Jesus in redeeming man from their sins. And if you want to be forgiven of your sins, you have to pray to Mary. And then you pray to Mary, Mary takes your prayer to Jesus, Jesus takes your prayer to God the Father. God the Father answers your prayer, gives the message back to Jesus, Jesus gives the message back to Mary, and Mary gives it to the priest, and the priest gives it to you. About the time that process goes, forget about it. I don't know. The prayer is already taken care of, whatever. So they believe that Mary is a mediator, that she is between man. In other words, if you want your sins forgiven, you have to go through Mary. Don't you remember the Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou. Every Catholic knows this. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. So the Catholic Church, you have to pray to Mary. They believe that she's a co-mediator or co-redemptress. Also, the Catholic Church teaches that Mary is favored above all people and that she is favored above all women. The Bible says, listen, she is blessed among women, but not above women. And at the same time, you know, a lot of Protestants look at Mary and say, well, you know, we shouldn't venerate Mary, or we shouldn't idolize Mary, and they put Mary, and they make, if you will, they make less of Mary. We have to be careful about that too. 
Because let's just face it, Mary is the mother of God. I don't know about you, but that's a little special. Is there anyone here that's ever given birth to God? Please raise your hand. I didn't think so. So that makes her special. She is blessed among women, but not above women. The Catholic Church teaches that Mary rose from the dead and ascended to heaven. They call that the Assumption of Mary. The Catholic Church teaches that Mary was a perpetual virgin. Now listen, Mary and Joseph had a normal husband-wife relationship, and they had more children. We won't take the time, but you will find that in Matthew chapter 13, verses 55 and 56. On one occasion, the Bible teaches that Mary tells us the story that Mary came to Jesus in Capernaum, and when she couldn't get into the Bible study because the house was packed because Jesus was there, and whenever Jesus showed up, a lot of people showed up. So the house was packed and Mary came and she couldn't get to Jesus. So she sent someone to give word to Jesus that she was outside. And it's right about Matthew 12, verse 48. Jesus said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Whoever does the will of God is my mother, my brother, and my sister. Notice when they came to tell Jesus that his mother was outside, Jesus doesn't stop what he's doing and go out and say, yes, ma'am. He doesn't do that. Anyone, listen, anyone who tries to put anyone on the same level of Jesus, that is what Paul is talking about. That is a doctrine of demons. That is a wrong teaching. That is heretical teaching. Jesus, listen, perhaps you will agree with this. Jesus is in a class all by himself. I thought you might agree with that. And putting anyone or anything on par with Jesus Christ is a doctrine of demons because it's an attempt to diminish the person and the work and the sufficiency of Christ. Listen, the focus of all, listen, watch this. The focus of all deception is to get your eyes off the person and the sufficiency of Christ and on to something else. That's the focus of all deception. So the first attempt to elevate Mary is right here in verse 27. Notice in verse 28 in your Bibles, notice Jesus' response. Jesus said, more than that, blessed are those who do what, saints? Hear the word of God and do what? Keep it. We need to hear the truth, know the truth, and then be doers of the truth. You know, the problem is people today... They don't want to hear the truth. And it's sad to say even, listen, it's sad to say even some Christians don't want to hear the truth. As said, this is the Bible. Can the church say amen? amen? This is the word of God. Thank you. This is the word that will not change. It is, a, it is God's word to man, and thus this book is right. And everything else and everyone else who would disagree with this book is wrong. Huh? And because this book is right, we need to obey it and do what it says. Even if, listen, 
even if what it says goes against what you want to do, what your flesh wants to do. I didn't think I'd get many amens there, but I wasn't hoping for any anyway. Because your flesh wants to do one thing, God's word says do something else. Your flesh says, I want things my way and my will, and God's word says, no, no, his will for you, for your children, for your situation, for your marriage. You're to do things God's way and obey the word of God. Be doers of the word, not just hearers only. Listen, church, U.S., American, cultural Christians, church, we need to be doers of the word of God. Not just hearers only. Listen, come to church. I've told you, come to church is dangerous. Danger will rob us in danger. Why? Because God's going to hold you accountable for what you know. So I, I've been going to church all my life. I've been in church since I was knee-high to a grasshopper. What is that anyway? <laughs> oh, I know, oh, yeah, I know that. I know that. I know that. Oh, yeah, I know that. I know that. I know that. Listen, when you stand before God, you're going to be held accountable for that which you know. That's why coming to church and hearing the word of God is dangerous. Because if you know a lot, then you're expected to do a lot. To whom much is given, much is required. And I am amazed at the church in the U.S. We have so much information, so much uh, accessibility to God's word. I know in my office I probably have 10, 15 Bibles. In, at home, I probably have another four or five. We have, you've got plenty of Bibles in your home. We have DVDs nowadays. We have CDs. We have online access to sermons. We got podcasts with that one great preacher guy named Rodney. And we've got, we've got various Bible translations. And it seems to me that our nation is biblically illiterate. It seems to me, you know, a pastor ended one Sunday morning service by instructing his people. He said, I'd like for all of you to read the 17th chapter of Mark's gospel before next Sunday. Well, the following Sunday, true to his word, he asked the congregation, how many of you actually read the 17th chapter of Mark's gospel this past week? Almost everyone in the pews raised their hands to signify they had indeed read the 17th chapter. And then the pastor then stunned his people by announcing, ladies and gentlemen, there is no 17th chapter of Mark's gospel. And then he proceeded to preach a Sunday morning sermon, which happened to be on the sin of lying. <laughs> a nation of biblically illiterate people, we got to move forward. Look at verse 29. Now the crowd becomes thicker and Jesus began to preach and say, this generation is evil. Matthew chapter 12, you might write that in your margin, tells us that Jesus said, this is an evil and adulterous generation because they were seeking a sign. And they asked Jesus to show them a sign. Okay, so he's already healed a man who couldn't speak. He uh, uh, caused a man to hear that couldn't hear, caused a man to see that couldn't see. He cast out a demon. He raised the dead. But now they're asking for a sign. Now we all know, listen, don't we all know sign seekers? 
people who say that they want a sign from God. I mean, have you ever heard people say, well, you know, if God is real, that's why tell me this one time. If God is real, then let God right now, if God is real, then let God strike me with lightning right now. And I'm thinking to myself, Lord, please do it. <laughs> do it now, God. Just burn him up right now, Lord. <laughs> now, let me ask you how real God is. If God is real, then God do this. And if God is real, then God should do that. People will say, well, you know, I need to see a miracle before I believe, before I have faith. The Bible says faith comes by hearing, somebody help me, and hearing by the word of God. Listen, God has already shown mankind the greatest miracle of all. What's that, Rodney? John 3.16. For God so loved the world. Y'all know that verse? Say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Don't you realize that's a miracle? That God would send, listen, that God would send his only son into the world. Who, to die for a Christ-rejecting sinful world. Who would do that? I wouldn't do it. You wouldn't do it. People don't love you. They don't love your son, but you send your son into the world to die for the sins of the world, but people who don't love him? That is a miracle. It's a miracle that God will allow his son to die on Calvary's tree instead of you and me. So they're asking for a sign. And Jesus said, the sign you will get, go ahead and peruse your Bible. The sign you will get is the prophet who? Jonah. Jonah was a sign. Jonah wasn't just someone who preached the message. Jonah was the message. Now, don't you know the story? God told Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach, but instead he tried to go to Tarshish on a ship because Jonah hated the Ninevites. And the Lord sent a great storm and Jonah was thrown overboard into the sea and a whale swallows, swallows him up and then barfs him up on the beach in Nineveh. Why? Because you can't keep a good man down. <laughs> you know, this third grade Sunday school teacher, she asked her students, what can we learn from the story of Jonah and the whale? One child raised a hand and responded, people make whales sick. So there are people who, I like that too, sister, thank you. And uh, there are people, these so-called theologians, who don't believe that there was a Jonah. Well, listen, Jesus himself believed in the historicity of the person of Jonah. And I believe in the historical character of Jonah. And I have learned much theology about Jonah from Veggie Tales. <laughs> it's biblical. And the Bible says that Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three nights and three days in the belly of the fish, and the whale barfed Jonah's, Jonah up on the beach. Remember that sermon? You guys, were you guys around when I taught a sermon? And the sermon title was Barfed Up on the Beach. It was a lovely sermon. The title was gross, but it was a great sermon. And so Jonah's up on the beach, and, and, and he's bleached from all the acid in the belly of the whale. So he's standing there, not a bit of hair on his face, on his head, on his body. He looks like a cue ball. He's completely white. He looks like Casper, the friendly ghost. And his opening comments to the people of Nineveh were 40 days, and you're all going to hell. 
You get, are you getting that scene? He's bringing a message from God. The message from God is, you're all going to hell. I mean, think about it. It's Sunday morning, I come in. My opening comments, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. In 40 days, you're all going to hell. God bless you and have a good week. <laughs> You'll be like, and all the visitors are like, okay, check that church off. We won't, we won't be going back to that church. So Jonah goes to Nineveh and he says, 40 days and you're all toasted. He probably said it with a smile. And he went up on the hill and he's sitting there and he's like, I can't wait, I can't wait. Well, the people, the Bible says, repented and made the children repent and the animals repent. And the Ninevites who were wicked and pagan heard the message and they repented. Now, on the other hand, the people of Israel had the law, they had the prophets, they had signs, they had wonders, and they had a greater than Jonah among them. And they refused to soften their hearts. Therefore, the men of Nineveh are going to rise up in judgment against them. He didn't only preach a message, Jonah. He was a message. And his message was resurrection. He was assigned to the Ninevites of someone who came back from the dead. And just as Jonah was barfed up by the power of God, the Bible says that Jesus was raised up from the dead by the power of God. Jonah, listen, becomes a type of Christ. He is a type of Christ. The sign of Jonah in reality is the sign of the resurrection. Now, if you've been around here at Calvary, you know that we talked about the fact that the resurrection is the greatest historical event and the greatest attested historical event in the history of mankind. And I've told you that, listen, that the hinge on which the door of Christianity swings is the resurrection. Christianity, did you know, Christianity rises or falls on the resurrection, period. Christianity, listen to me before you turn me off. Christianity does not rise and fall on the cross. There was nothing, listen, that special about the cross. What you talking about, Willis? There was nothing special about the cross. If you were executed in Jesus' day and you were, you were found guilty of a crime and, and deserved execution, then the way in which they executed people was on a cross. Nothing special about the cross in and of itself. Christianity does not rest on the cross. We sing songs about the cross and we love the old rugged cross. But nothing special about the cross. There was a thief on the cross on Jesus' right and on Jesus left. So nothing special about the cross. Christianity rises and falls on the resurrection because if Christ be not risen, our faith is futile. If Jesus told people, in three days I'm going to rise again from the grave, and he did not rise again from the grave, then Christianity is annulled, gone, done, falls. It was Paul the Apostle who said it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 12 through 15. Now, if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some of you among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God. 
because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up if in fact the dead do not rise. Saints, listen, Christianity rises and falls on the resurrection. If Christ didn't rise from the grave, then there is no hope of eternal life. We have hope of eternal life because of the resurrection. If you're happy about that, would you clap your hands? Would you do it? Because of the resurrection. Notice in verse 31 in your Bibles. Notice the queen of the south, notice in verse 31, will rise up in the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. The queen of the south, if you're taking notes, is the queen of Sheba, a pagan woman. The queen of Sheba traveled 1,500 miles or approximately 75 days. And keep in mind, it wasn't on jet air and it wasn't on American Airlines. She traveled that far to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And when she heard Solomon speak, her heart responded. First Corinthians, pardon me, first Kings chapter 10 tells us when she heard the wisdom of Solomon, she left saying the half wasn't even told. I'm blown away. You see, Solomon had the wisdom from God, but Jesus is the wisdom of God. Solomon was a great king, but Jesus is the king of kings. Can the church say amen? Solomon gave to Sheba all that she desired. First Kings 10, Jesus gives us above all we could ask or think. Solomon spoke practically to his nation. Jesus spoke powerfully to all creation. And Jesus is saying in the judgment, she is going to condemn this nation because she came all the way to hear the wisdom of Solomon and a greater than Solomon. Who's that? Jesus, you got it, a greater than Solomon is here. Verse 32 says, The men of Nineveh will rise up in judgment and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and a greater than Jonah is here, Jesus. Jesus is saying, I'm here to bring you light. I'm here to bring you from darkness to light, to give you life, but you won't listen. Next week, we'll talk about that very thing about light and the lamp and the eye being the window to the soul and, 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 the, and the light inside of an individual. Jesus is simply making the point to them that, that I'm greater than Solomon, that I'm greater than, than Jonah, and you are rejecting my message. My question to you, are you rejecting his message? Do you know him? You know, Easter's coming up. And the whole world, think about this, the whole world will center on the risen Savior. And many people, that's why we want you to pray. We want you to start praying. Because tis the season where people will begin to think about Jesus. And the fact that he's come to the world to save the world, to give you life. Not only light, listen, not only light, but he also came to give you life. The Bible says he came to give you life and that more abundantly. But in order to have that life, 
You've got to receive him as your Lord. You've got to accept him as your Savior. And it is not enough just to hear the word. It's not enough just to know the Bible. I know people who know the Bible who are not believers. Who would have thunk it? You know the Bible, but you're not believers. That goes to show you, listen, that the word of God has to make its way to your heart. Don't you understand some people are going to miss heaven by 18 inches from here to here, depending on how long your neck. But you can know it here and not have it here. Jesus is greater than Solomon. He's greater than Jonah. He's greater than David. Jesus is the greatest man who ever lived. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at one 800 293 0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.